Pulp MX Network production. You cast me completely till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? What's up? We are back with another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, this week for episode 389, with Daniel Blair and Eric Perinard in studio. And the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show is brought to you by BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Engines and Suspension, Michelin Starcross Fives, Maxima Oils, X Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roos Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, OGO Bags, and Ride Engineering. And all those wonderful sponsors of the Pulp Mech Show can be found on pulpmxshow.com with the discount codes i am dark side from the moto x pod show and wusa provides the best quality wheels in the business whether you race professional supercross or just a weekend warrior w has the wheels for you w can even restore your old wheels so visit wusa.com and let john and kristen anderson take care of you wusa brings you cody piscatelli what's up cody yo yo happy to be on here yeah, it's awesome to finally hear your voice. Um, I, I, I've, I've heard you, uh, you know, on Pulp. Uh, I, I see your questions on Main Event Moto. So Daniel was in studio, so that's awesome. We got somebody else on the line. And if you're looking for a high-performance seat cover and foam, Guts Racing is it. Andy Gregg and Guts Racing are providing seats for many of the best riders in the world. So visit GutRacing.com today. Gut Racing brings you the one and only Nash. Gentlemen! There Gentlemen. is Nash. What there is we up? go. I'm, I'm excited to be brought to Gut Seats. I've used the product. I love the product. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here, Dark Side and, and Cody. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm glad to have you guys on. So first up, let's uh, let's get a little background, Cody. Uh, like I mentioned, I've heard you uh, on Pulp, and you know I've seen your questions on Main Event. How long have you been a Pulp fan? Uh, give me a little bit of your background on the, your, your Moto podcasting and uh, the sport in general. Yeah, so raced forever, uh, amateur stuff, nothing, nothing big, whatever. Um, broke my back back in 2012, riding, uh, ended up in a wheelchair, and uh, yeah, so I've been a big fan ever since. Um, but my dad runs uh, CNM Suspension up in Idaho, and it's the Race Tech Service Center. So we know all those guys really, really well. Oh, great! And uh, yeah, so we heard um, Chris Riesenberg was going to be on one of the episodes, and didn't really know what pulp was or whatever and ever since that listened to everyone since so i don't know four years something like that fantastic and nash you're old school man how how, how long have wow. you been listening to pulp well i mean the venue is just so dynamic and so unique and i mean i started listening in 09 and it was just by happenstance i found you know steve's website and i actually wrote in to racer x they, they did steve was doing podcasts with riders and stuff and um, I won a contest uh, that they did a po- they did a podcast with me, him and Weege, and and that springboarded. And that was right before Steve started the show, so it was just a natural transition. That was like November, and then Steve started in January, and I, w- I was racing a lot. I'm, I'm an off road guy. I raced MX back in the '90s. Yeah, and uh, I'm just a smorgasbord kind of rider. I love <laughs> dirt bikes, 
uh, Kiefer, Kiefer really connects and resonates with me because I'm almost 50 years old, and um, there's times when I was, should have been doing my homework when I was a kid, and I was just like Wolfman Web and MXA, and, and, and then the transition from like Racer X from a newspaper to a magazine, I remember when that happened. And yeah. I'm still involved now. I still I still race here and there, but my daughter is just really, I'm enjoying a lot of dad and daughter time. My daughter races. We're blessed to have a really strong off-road uh, series, ECDA, East Coast Enduro Series. It has hair scrambles and dual sports and all kinds of stuff, and there's a really strong kids program, and my daughter, actually, this is relevant to Mono, my daughter rides for a thing called Team Perfect Storm, and uh, they're sponsored by... Uh, Bromley Suzuki's, which is you know Bear Dog, like Barry Carston's yeah. home dealership. So it's kind of cool how it all comes together, and you know I'm just super thankful for Pulp and everybody, you know Daniel Blair and and just all these people are putting out content now. It's it's a great time to live in the sport compared to like think what we all kind of grew up with and right. evolved from. Like, well, I, I three agree. Weeks, so. I agree. And, uh, yep. So this week, episode 389 was fantastic. I love when Daniel's in. Eric's a fantastic uh, in studio guest. Right off the bat, Steve starts talking to Marks about, you know, he's back on the bike, uh, kind of busting his balls about not having, uh, not being, not being in shape, you know, and, and Steve, you know, Steve's been losing a lot of weight. Um, he's still a pretty good sized guy though, but man, he, he mentioned doing 17 minute motos and I can't even do 17 minute motos. Uh, I was pretty impressed with that. Um, and, and they talked, you know, they talked about Marks getting out the, the, uh, drone and uh somebody said mark's gimbal gimbal was uh stuck which was pretty funny he's riding on 30 psi uh all all fantastic stories i love you know like i always wish i could be there with those guys cody what do you think about man uh steve getting back on a bike and already being able to do 17 minute motos no it's awesome for sure um yeah i mean it's it's super impressive that i mean i know he he raced back in the day and and all that but he, I mean, those, those videos, like he, he's pretty down on himself or, or I guess just not, doesn't hype himself up about his speed, but he's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he looks fast when I see those videos and, uh, I, like, I, I wonder where, like at times I wonder where I would compare with him. Like, I want to go ride with Steve one of these days. <laughs> Nash, what do you think, man? You think he looks like he's still got it. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's what every person knows. You can oscillate in and out of the sport. And Steve's the most direct testimony to that right now, this current testimony. And, you know, I think everybody who listens to Bob was always cheering for him to get on a bike. And yep. then when all this, Kiefer was the catalyst. And then, you know, Berlut, and we want to get Berlut back in the cycle. He falls out of love again. And, <laughs> and you know, just, just to see him. And, and the neat thing is, is I love all their bikes. I love all the brands. I like riding anything. But I've ridden, you know, a current 450. And, dude, they're good. Like, oh, really yeah. good. And I, I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm not a bandwagon dude. I'm not a Kool-Aid drinker. Man, I'm making this good. And um, it's cool. So I can see how I can suck him in. And you know how it is. We're all creatures of habit. You can see Steve getting pulled in. So it's good to see that. Absolutely. I still don't know how Marks didn't know he had 30 PSI in his bike. You should be able to figure that out pretty damn quick. Well, dude, did you, you see the uh, – did you guys see his, his video of his shock shaft? Uh-uh. Oh, no. yes, yes, I no, did. Just, oh, my God, that thing was bent. Yeah. Yeah. Was that from the Dune Goon wreck? I would assume. Yeah, I don't know so. that he ever said, but yeah, probably because that thing's been down for a while. I think. Oh my god! I've never wow. seen a shock shaft that bent in my entire life. <laughs> that thing's so bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, hey Nash. Okay, so the, you know, shortly after that, they we get into the the bet that Daniel set the last time he was in here. Uh, he's supposed uh-huh. to be able to change a wheel, front wheel 
Oil, oil and clutch in less in ten minutes or less. Uh, yeah, he hit sixteen oh eight. Big fail from uh, our man Daniel Blair. But of course, he he defends his uh, his stance that you know. Oh well, I'm just you know I feel like a factory mechanic should be able to do it under ten minutes. That was the point. I don't think that was ever the point. Mm-hmm. I think he said he could do it in under ten minutes, and that's what he meant in the beginning. What do you think, Nash? Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, when you make. Uh, through the history of the show, whether you go in the time machine to, to the Kenny years or the new guests are on, if you say something on Paul, you better be able to back it up. And I understand where Daniel's mindset is. I think as we all get like splitting the conversation into two, but he said it, therefore you have to execute. So, uh, you know, I, I, I could see where he's coming from, meaning a team of factory mechanics, but you know, to Steve's point, he was like, Hey, you said you could do it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. How about you, that, Cody? That's the deal. Cody, I see the, I saw the video yeah. today. Um, yeah, he, he he was you know, he was trying, but ten minutes is that's 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 tight. Uh, you know, I at first I, I I jumped a shit because when I was listening to that, because yeah, he said he could do it, it'd be easy, blah blah blah. But I mean, sixteen minutes to do that on a bike that he doesn't know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. that's actually pretty impressive. If he, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think he he's right about a factory mechanic being able to do that. That's honestly a lot quicker than i thought it would be yeah yeah i mean and he you know factory mechanics gonna have uh some cordless tools you know they're gonna have the you know oh yeah torque wrenches uh what do you call uh, impacts and all that so yeah sure, they, but sure. still it was um man i love daniel but i, I kind of i enjoyed watching him fail man i just did well that's, oh, and, oh, and yeah the the beauty of like the seriousness and the 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 raw emotion that comes out in a pulp show is <laughs> yeah. the hook. It's the hook. Yeah. That's what draws us in because like all, don't get me wrong, stick and ball's got locker rooms and guys, get, you know, just out there on the edge a little bit, but Steve has that gift and, and I think that we all experience that and I think that's what draws us in. So if Daniel, if Daniel does that and it, and it plays out the way it did, it was fun. So. Yeah. All right. So Steve asked Daniel shortly after that, um, what are you more surprised at so far in the season? AC going four for four or uh, the 94, you know, Kenny having the red plate. Uh, and Steve feels like the most surprising thing is AC four for four. Uh, I think Daniel was kind of on board with that a little bit. Um, what do you guys think? I, I'm actually a little more surprised uh, on Kenny's red, still having the red plate. Um, he, he's doing a little better than I expected. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I I think I gotta go with the AC thing because I mean there's there's videos. Yeah, okay. Before Kenny's accident, he he was amazing, the the best out there by far. But yeah. like there's there's videos of him. I think I there's one video I can think of in particular of him on RCH back in '16, of him on an outdoor track in Florida riding that thing like it's a BMX bike, just like sucking up jumps and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. no big deal, mm-hmm. all the bumps, just bunny hopping it. Yep. Like that, that doesn't go away, that that talent. So, yeah, I think I think I got to go with the AC one on this. Okay, Nash? I, I was, it, like, it's funny when you really, like, let your emotions go and don't be calculated, and that's how I treated that question, is I was really shocked at Rockton's rebound. Um, AC was dominant and executed really well, and the heartbreak – I, I've yet to meet someone or hear someone that's not an AC fan. I know they're out there. That's what makes the world, you know, chocolate vanilla, different flavors <laughs> of the ice cream stand. But yeah, he was he was really strong, and it, and and he life as he evolved from his baby Jesus status to who he is now, he's really been 
just really grounded and, and, and in touch with who he is and then the evolution with the parents and Nick Way. And they had a really strong program all year. So I'm not, trust me, I was pumped and excited to see him start coming out of the gate and deny that horrible situation he went through at Vegas, which, hey, man, that's racing. That's what is incredible about the sport. But Ken, Ken had a rough year. Ken, Ken was fighting something. There's something going on. And uh, I, I'm more shocked. To answer the question, I'm more shocked. And, and again, I'm not diminishing Kenny's talent. God, mm-hmm. I saw him at Unit Dale a year. Oh my God! It's like it's like watching a godlike. Uh, <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'm with you. Um, all right, let's get to the first uh, guest on the phone of the night, Will Hahn. Uh, oh yeah. Will's always great. Um, he discusses testing with the young guys. Um, I, I, first of all. Did he sound like he was eating when he was on the phone? Because he definitely sounded like he was eating to me. <laughs> what do you think, Nash? Was he eating during the whole the whole phone call? He's doing something. That's the beauty of Will Hahn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> whether it's stories of him dating or eating a chicken sandwich, you don't know what's going on. Right. And, and, and he's just so candid. and I love it. Yeah, I love Will, it. Will didn't give a damn. What do you think, Cody? Was he eating or was I imagining things? I, I don't know. I'm usually pretty sensitive about that. Like, it bugs the crap out of me when Steve eats on, <laughs> on the show. But uh, I, I I didn't pick up on that. I don't know. Does he still have braces? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Because it wow. could be that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, there, there's some interesting talk, though. They, they During talking, they were discussing uh, testing, and they he got asked if they store away settings for previous years. Um and that was a topic, you know, I, I know a lot of the mechanics have been in the business a long time. They store their settings, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how necessary, if they, well, how necessary that is really, because the bikes do change. The tracks are always a little bit different. Um, but I like that tech talk. I like the fact that they get into that because it's really interesting. The different steps these teams take to make sure their guys have all the advantages. Um, Cody, what, you know, just what do you think about Will talking about, testing and the younger guys and, and, you know, kind of what they got into. Yeah. It's, it's a fine line of of trying to set the bike up like it was the year before, even if it's, if it's the same bike, but then, you know, they do all this, this testing over in the off season, changing engine hangers and, and, um, chassis geometry and all this stuff. And then like, that's going to throw off so many suspension setting, um, like adjustments and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I can definitely understand the conflict, like what kind of he, I think he alluded to that a little bit, but yep. I mean, yeah, it's definitely balance. I, yeah, Nash, I, I feel like, you know, Steve's talked about this before and I think Daniel brought it up is um like the best thing, find a base setting that's good and then just make small adjustments from there. It seems mm-hmm. like, but mm-hmm. you, you have these, these uh techs and suspension guys and engine guys that maybe overthink things a little bit i mean i think that there's something that everybody knows first of all normal human beings are not like these guys and that right. just goes without saying yeah but i think that it, there is a section of a, a rider's brain a professional rider's brain that is more aligned with testing or sometimes more sensitive to bike setup it, it, that, that's a yin and a yang and sometimes they may complement each other and sometimes they may work against each other and the overthinking component and the downward spiraling. I mean, there's just, it's just such an art to do what they do with the resources yeah. that they have 
to harness that is brutal. I think I think what we'll we all see is the notes from last year get them in the ballpark, and then they can fuse in exactly like you said, Cody, the, the, the engine mounts and chassis differences, which when you read the spec sheet, does mere dopes. We could ride anything and be like, they're, they're all good. That's that's just the reality. Certain things are better than others, but those guys have the ability to, to really sense that and really push and, and try to harness it. So yeah, definitely. It's tricky. I I could see him going, I could see, and, and I've heard stories from factory mechanics of guys just getting in left field and look at Cooper Webb. He indicated that a little bit. Kenny's talked about that a lot. I mean, it's it's something that I I was sure it's as much as a bonus it is to have it all at your fingertips. Sometimes it can really work against you. I, I would think so, and yeah, it, I uh, I actually interviewed uh, privateer Jeff Walker on the our show, the Moto X Pod show last night, mm-hmm. and he brought mm-hmm. that up specifically. He's like, man, I don't. I, we're probably not supposed to be talking about this in the wrap up show. Sorry, Steve, but uh, he he, uh, <laughs> he mentioned you know, hey, I rode a bone stock bike the first three or four rounds, and you know, it's almost. Um, a blessing to not have all those options because you just overthink it. Instead of I just go out and I ride the bike and he qualified for all, you know, for nationals mm-hmm. on a bone stock bike. And, you know, so wow. yeah, you, you kind of overthink it sometimes maybe with when you have all those options, but all right, we'll get off that topic. Let's get back to mm-hmm. Will Hahn just for a minute. Um, Will's one of those guys that because he has such a good relationship with Steve, um, that's why one of the reasons he's such a good guest in my opinion is, you know, they, they have mm-hmm. that connection. He's not just, um, you know, one of the newer, you know, the newer riders, maybe that doesn't ha- isn't really tight with Steve yet. He 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 has he's part of the show. You know, he has history with the show. Uh, they they ask him about archery if he if he's gotten he's still into archery and he uh, he made the comment, yeah, it's coming up. And Steve said, uh, what's coming up? Are you going to war? That's the shit that wow. I love. That's the stuff right there for me, Nash. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love those relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's it, it's real time. It's seat time. It's yeah. it's genuine. It's tangible. I mean, that's that's it. That's the that's the uh, the crux of it all. The nucleus of it all. And absolutely. Show pivots around. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I mean, it, it also helps that he's just such an awesome dude. I've talked to to Will in the in the pits and stuff, and yeah, he's. I mean, he's he could have a conversation with anyone, and yeah. and I think it would go pretty similar to that. He's just a down to earth funny dude uh and yeah he yeah he's he's awesome i agree well speaking of funny guys our next guest is uh filthy phil oh yeah yeah. phil is funny without trying to be funny um we love we all love i know nash loves some phil uh of course they go Mm -hmm. right into this discussing a mart um which he said Mm -hmm. you know phil said something that i was a little bit surprised he said um but he talked about he doesn't think that the engine, the Suzuki engine on the 250 is on par. You know, we hear this a lot, uh, you mm-hmm. know, from Kiefer's and the Michael Lindsay's, but to hear it from a, uh, a factory rider kind of come out and say it, that that's harsh, man, on, on, for JGR or for Suzuki in general, uh, Cody, but what do you think about Phil's bluntness on the, on a Mart just being, uh, kind of underpowered? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a point. Uh, I, I, all those factory bikes are so damn good, but I mean, yeah, I, I, no, no, um, no surprise to anyone that it's, or they, they have the lowest budget. So yeah, I I can understand it. I I thought it was uh, interesting that not that there's a falling out because that's not reality. I always find 
the element where if a rider is uh, going through a cycle with a team, they can be more frank and honest. Yep. And later on in the conversation, Phil was like, hey, I think, you know, I don't want to be the Phil guy. And I think that, you know, the relationship with JGR guys are great, which all the JGR team is awesome. And make no bones about it. It's a business. The teams aren't there to coddle the riders. And if you could scoop a guy up for a, a good price and a good value, it's like betting on a racehorse. So I'm not, I'm not in, in saying that JGR did anything bad, but I'm going inside Phil's mind. Hey, maybe he didn't mind saying he felt the bike was underpowered because usually they keep their cards close to their chest on that, but he knows he has no desire to go back there. So he can be frank. And I'm not saying he's bad mouth the bike or bad mouth in the motor. Right, right. He can be honest. He can be honest without fear of, uh, you know, uh, any type of kickback, if you would. Yeah. Um, from the, the from JGR because he knows, like, hey, look, I'm 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 making a run at this thing. I want to win this Canadian title. Yeah. I want to make some money. And I'm 30 years old. And man, life is hard when you start getting up there, and <laughs> it's brutal. Sure. So, yeah. He talked about that. I think ex- I, Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just said I think his frankness might have been derived from the fact that he could be honest without any type of uh, negative impact on his career as he's supposed to move in the autumn of his career. Yeah, so, he made that comment. That's why everybody loves him. Yeah he, yeah. he made that comment on the last episode two weeks ago on 388 about being tired of being a fill-in guy, uh, you, know, I, you know, and he kind of feels like maybe he, he kind of made it, he felt like he was used a little bit. I don't think those are the terms he used, but that's the vibe, you know, it was like, hey, they kind of took advantage of me just a little bit. And no more. Um, hey, it's it's like what we all do. Yeah, it, and and I I know you, Dark Star, Dark Star, you're not defending him at all. But I mean, if you're J Bone, you got a job and you're going to execute. And if you can get an undervalued rider who performs, it's like holy cow, we won the lottery. You get oh a scratch yeah, off the okay. dude's producing. Yeah, it's like Steve That's always says. Steve always says they're not going to just pay you more. That you know, Feld's not going to just pay more money because they just want to. You know, they're you know you're gonna yeah. have to, you're gonna have to. The, the riders and the teams are going to have to figure that out. You know, you, you, they're not just going to be like, oh, hey, let's give you more money. You know, yeah, it's yeah. it's a business. Um, yep. So yep. Phil, of course, he's uh, up there. He's up in Canada, says Manitoba is a shithole just uh, to bust these balls. <laughs> Typical <laughs> Phil. Um, but he, he talks about, once again, at this national, the, the uh, Rockstar Triple Crown Series has some issues. No second motos are canceled. Dozer's broke, too muddy. Uh, you know, he said, uh, hey, it, it, the track was fine, according to Phil. It was just a shit show. That's typical Phil, Cody. Yeah, that, I mean, like I said, that's why we love him. He's super negative and all that. But, <laughs> no, I, I I didn't I didn't watch the, the moto, so I have no bearing to judge um, if it, how bad it was or whatever. But I think we were – I think he said that they're the um, – the paramedics couldn't get around the track or something like that. Steve that said was the that, main yeah. reason, but mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And that was, I think, according to Galdi, I think that was info he relayed to Steve. And, but, uh, yeah, one of my favorite comments of that whole conversation was Steve saying that he watched, he watched Phil try to pick his bike up for 10 minutes. And, <laughs> and, uh, Phil says, well, wait, 550 pounds. Uh, Nash, again, I know you're a huge Phil fan. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's classic Phil. I mean, the, it's the beauty of Canada is the fact that it does have a unique essence to it. And yeah, it's more cross and everybody knows that, but I like the, I like the, the almost fair race feel of it. Yeah. And I like that. It's just totally raw. And yeah, they're like, ah, oh, screw it. We're not going to have a second. Motor. I mean, I'm not, if I was a fan there, that would piss me off. But to hear about it on a Monday night when I'm working in my garage on my bikes, I'm just like, Oh my God, like 
it's so entertaining. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I feel bad. I feel bad because I like Galdi and I like a lot of those, you know, T-Dags and all those guys and, mm-hmm. and Courtney Lloyd. I want the series to be successful, uh, and I think it is it is relatively successful, but well, it, it's definitely a step down from the American Nationals. It's it's like the land of misfit toys. Yeah, yeah. And I, please, everybody in Canada, don't blame me. I'm not knocking it. Just, I enjoy it, and, and th- th- there's some really good racing, and I love the variety in the tracks, you know. There's ones out there that are like granite, limestone. There's other ones that are sandy. I mean, dude, you get a good variety, and and it's good. It's real. It's 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 different, but welcomed. I should say. Yeah. So well, towards the end of Phil's uh, interview, Nash calls in, um, and, mm-hmm. and you asked him mm-hmm. if uh, there's any young bucks out south of the border, you know, trying to show him a wheel here and there. And uh, Phil says, "No, nah, man, they they know better." Um, so. <laughs> That's good stuff, Cody. Uh, uh, you know, what do you think about when Nash calls in? Is he a good caller? <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's yeah. You you get a lot of shit from people, but uh, no, I'm 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 okay with it. There's some some callers that really get told, like Dark Side. Uh, like the... <laughs> be honest. It's okay. You can be honest. Um, <laughs> no, uh, the Randy Richardson story. That guy. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was that's a classic. But no, it, I'm okay with it. Hey, yeah. look, I'll, I'll set the record straight. Genuinely, when I'm when I call in, I want to make it something interesting, entertaining, not fabricated, not like I sit there in, in my garage and write notes down or anything. But what I always envision is if everybody was in my garage and these guys were pro riders hanging out, or I was you know going to have some type of interaction at like a Fourth of July party or something. These are the kinds because that's what they want, you know. In the beginning, I can always remember people have been like, and me included. Uh, I remember that time when this happened. They're like, dude, you don't understand my life. Like, it's a blur. I'm a dirt bike racer. Yeah. I don't remember things that you hang your hat on. Nobody cares. So, if it, if it can be relevant to a room full of people, I don't talk about it. And picture in a Weimar Phil riding school. Oh hell yes, I'd be paying money to go to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Just to see the show and. So whether it's 20 series, technical, or whatever the genre is, I want to ask these guys something thought-provoking. And, you know, if the humor can come into it, like asking Peng about an old Rhino story, I mean, dude, that's pure gold right there. Rhino right. stories, come on. Absolutely. So that's, that, that, that's really who I am as the core as a fan. And, and when I do call in, I'm like, like I said, I don't think about it consciously, but once I get talking, I think to myself, this be interesting for anybody else working in their garage or sitting in their office cubicle to want to hear, and that's the method of the madness. Yeah, well, so, maybe, and maybe that's, that's a damn good rule of thumb for everybody <laughs> else that calls in and yeah, you know, maybe. Ask the, hey, Steve, do you remember this guy from back fifteen years ago? Yeah, <laughs> no, I was there at that event. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe I need to keep take Nash's rule of thumb and use that because I you know sometimes I I get a lot of shit too for my calls. And, I mean, I really don't care. I just I enjoy yeah. it. But, you know, whatever. Um, the, uh, the accessibility, I'll end it with this, the accessibility of the show is yep. what catches people off guard at first. And that's what, like, I, I remember coming in, like, years ago and saying to my wife, I just talked to Jeremy McGrath. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, this is insane. Yeah. And, and, in, yep. and in those early episodes, hell, me and, and uh, what's his name, uh, the guy who lives local to me, um, old timer or whatever, I forget the guy's name, he would call, like, three or four times in the same show. Oh, wow, um, yeah. 
Has yeah. been, has been. He lives, he lives, he lives local. That's, anyway, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I, I listened to a lot of those. Like, I didn't start listening until a few years ago, but I went back and listened to a lot of the older ones. And yeah, you, there was definitely a lot less callers, but the callers that called in called more often sometimes. So yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's, you, I, it's, it's, it's 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 neat how it's evolved. And Steve brought the professionalism up and. And um, yep. yeah, all that. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to bog you down, Dark Side. No, we're good. So, we're good. So Eric Pernard finally makes it in. He had some flight issues. Um, again, I, I mentioned earlier, I like Eric a lot as far as a guest. Love him. So love many Pernard. good stories. I love what he does for the sport. Um, I mm-hmm. love what he does for the, some of these guys that aren't the necessarily the superstar guys. He talked about you know guys like Ben LeMay and, uh, and other riders hitting him up. Eric's just a great guest. But let's get into our next caller or our next interview, which was Colt Nichols. Um, well, actually, let me step back. We had when Eric came in, there was a caller that called in, and he asked, "Did KTM waste their time on developing the KTM's around Dungey?" Talked about how the bikes look so different over in the GPS. Um, and Daniel brought up the the you know the topic of hey, we focus on Supercross eight months out of the year here. Um, what do you guys think about that? Like the development of a bike for you know over here as opposed to what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I don't know if. It kind of makes sense. Like maybe they shouldn't. A company, any of the OEMs, probably shouldn't develop their bike around our riders because, yeah, Supercross isn't what the average guy's doing. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be so such a hard um, balance nowadays. But also, they these factories back in Japan and well, I guess Austria have so much technology now of doing all this modeling and CAD design and all that on the computer rather than doing the, doing the, the typical, um, just build something and then go test it and, and see how it is. So I think, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a big balance and we have the homologation rules here mm-hmm. in the U S and they don't in the GPs so that that's another big thing. So I think it's probably more, more geared towards the guys here because there's such a big market here. Um, as far as how the, how the frames are designed and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, uh, this would be a really good question for, uh, for Travis Preston or someone like that, who's actually affiliated with the OEMs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. What do you think, Nash? I I think that you're, when you work for a company and I could be a thousand percent wrong here, what I'm about to say, Okay. you're engineering that motorcycle to perform. For, for the the market and the riders that you're going to be doing it for, meaning your your base team and the fact that KTM, as Cody just said, has the endless resources to really make, and they, they touched on this a little bit, to have a different swing arm and a different chassis and a different like so much options in Europe. The bikes are really unique, and and those guys know exactly like they know exactly how to parlay that technology and everything because there's no rules here. The platform, a, a mere mortal could ride any production bike. And, and and if they can curtail it to what the factory indicates that they need for best performance in the Supercross series, well, that's the number one off-road series in the world, and they want to win that here. So do I think that they engineer it, and do I think the guy in the call had, like, a point, and maybe Dungey had some preferences that were infused towards the production component? You know, somebody from KTM would really have to answer that, and I'm, yeah. I'm a dope. You would never know. <laughs> but to me, it would make sense. If I was in KTM and my rider wanted that, and I'm, I'm going to give it to him as a platform because sure. you got one job, buddy. Get on that box now, and that's it. So I think, yeah, I think that it would make sense to do that because here's the real deal. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry riding a dirt bike can't tell the difference. Look at the YZ450F. You watch the best of the best in its early chassis designs. Yeah, they were, they were big. They were porky, blah, blah, blah. 
but you could find one that was good. But when James wrote it, it would be that one-off thing that would spit him. Or Austin Stroop, I saw get spit at Redbud, and you know, it just it, those guys have a way of extracting situations out of equipment that just aren't here. So if your team can engineer it to be the best for these these uh, coup de gras guys, and yeah, they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so Colt Nichols comes up next, and this was Colt was one of my favorite interviews of the night, maybe my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, they got into some stuff towards the end of the interview that I really, really enjoyed. Right off the bat, though, Steve says, "Hey, man, are you?" You asked him, "Are you okay with how your MX season has started?" Uh, to me, it seems pretty good. Um, and he says, "Steve, I don't take this the wrong way," which that you know that always leads into uh, something that you probably will take the wrong way. Uh, he says, "You don't seem like an outdoor guy to me." But Colt, Colt took it well. Colt's, you know, he's pretty okay with the outdoor season so far. Um, he says, "You know, they talked about WW Ranch this weekend, which I'm leaving for in the morning. Can't wait." Um, Colt says, Hey, we don't have the, the star Yamaha guys don't have a lot of sand experience cause you know, they're testing out in on the West coast. Um, but the bike is at a point where they're not searching for that quote unquote feeling anymore. Like he's pretty comfortable with it. Colt seemed like he's in a pretty good place. Um, I think he knows where he's at. Um, uh, you know, he's still one of the young guys and I think, um, he seemed really comfortable in the interview. Steve, you know, asked him the right questions, uh, and I really enjoyed his responses. Nash, what do you think about Colt and, uh, you know, Steve saying, hey, don't take this the wrong way? <laughs> all, all, all of that is what you just said is how I felt. And like, as you were saying, I'm like, man, Darkside, you must be a mind reader because I felt the same way. Calm, cool, collective. Right? My favorite part was hearing how Nick Way would blow him up when he was a B rider. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, thanks. I Nick Way's involved in anything. So, yeah, all of that, Darkside, and I'm not cashing out on an answer, but no. that's how I felt. So, yeah, I think. Humble, calm, cool, yep. collected, and if Nick Way recognized the talent back in the day, that makes me like it even more. So. Yeah, and, and Cody, what are your thoughts? I mean, Steve, Steve is—he's not afraid, and he didn't like blow out Colton anyway or anything, but he's not afraid to ask these riders things that, hey, man, like maybe at times you don't look so good at, at this point or whatever. And, you know, he also asked him about, "Are you okay with Supercross?" You know, because you, hey, you had the 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 red plate at one point, you lost it. Um, but he's not afraid to ask some of those questions that maybe the riders don't want necessarily to remember all the time. What do you think, Cody? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I almost wish Steve would have, would have been a little harder on him. Okay. Um, or, or pre- pressed a little harder. Cause I mean, okay. There's obviously it's a fine line. He comes on Steve's show. It's not like being in a press conference where you got to ask him the hard questions and make him squirm. But Steve kind of, he said, you know, yeah, it's been a good year. You've been surprising all of us. But I I think Colt's kind of bummed on the year. Um, I mean, Steve was kind of fluffing him up because, I mean, yeah, like like I said, it's his kind of job to do that coming on polls. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think he should have he should have pressed him a little harder. Really? Like just to, in general on how he feels or on, uh, you know, on what specifically? Well, just that, I mean, his outdoor season so far, I, I don't think it's it's been as successful as Colt as it should have been. Okay. Um, I, I think he's expecting to be up there winning motos and be right there with Cooper, and he hasn't been at all. And I think that he's not stoked on that. And I think Steve and, and BB talked about this, I think, in his show, uh, where he said, like, yeah, Colt's been good. I just think of him as a Supercross guy only. But I, I don't know. I think he... 
is very capable of being right up there with Cooper, and he just hasn't gotten the start, and it hasn't been as good as he wants. And I don't think anybody else is seeing that, which maybe is a good thing for him because it's he has nowhere to go to nowhere to go but up. Essentially, right, but, right, a little less. Yeah, pressure. I don't know. that was my takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, I mean, maybe he should have pressed him a little harder um, because, yeah, I, I mean, it, I, I see what you're saying. Um, something Colt said, though, this is where I really was interested in, like I got really interested towards the end of the interviews. He talked about the emotional side being the toughest. And and this kind of I kind of took this stuff to heart a little bit because, you know, all of us have emotions. All of us have lives outside of our jobs. Um, some days you go to work and everything's great. And some days you go to work and you want nothing but nothing more than to not be there, you know, whether you had an issue with your chick or your, something's going on with your kids or, or whatever the situation may be. And, you know, they, they, him and Steve kind of started talking about that a little bit. Like you don't always know what's going on with these riders, uh, how it affects them. Um, we see whether it be Eli's ups and downs or, Kenny's ups and downs in Supercross this year or whatever. We Kirsten don't. Craig stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. Christian's a perfect example um, right now with what's going on with him. Um, and, you know, and it's, you know, I, I know when I'm having, if I'm having an issue, if my chick and I are arguing, at, you know, tonight, tomorrow, I'm going to be miserable. It doesn't matter if I have a championship to win or I have to go dig a ditch for a water line. I'm not going to be in the mood to be there. That kind of stuff. I generally do not think about while I'm watching a race, you know, like, Oh, I wonder if something happened. Um, and I think that's something we should, that was a really cool topic. I think we should take, um, more time to think about stuff like that and ask, what do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, the personal struggle, they're not robots. Yeah. They're, they're super gifted and you know, you could have family struggles. Like, you know, anytime the documentaries come in, you kind of see behind the curtain and and see how the the, the wizard runs the show. (laughs) You know, the analogies there and, you know, they're all humans, and their lives are so unique, and, you know, they're under these cake dishes, if you would, and I, I don't know, I, look, I love the sport, I love every rider, it's like, you know, but the part of you having to perform and you're under a microscope constantly, and life does take hold, sick relatives, uh, you're getting married, your wife's trying to get pregnant, like, whatever, mm-hmm. um, it can, dude, come on, man, they're so mental. Look, watch what happens if somebody gets on a roll. All of them are good. God, the top 10 in each class, insane. The top 20, hell, you can make a national. You're an incredible rider. Agreed. But once that, once all pieces of the puzzle start to click, it's like a trivial pursuit piece. They get all the pieces of the puzzle down, and then you throw in the confidence. And that keeper's right, home life. Dude, home life. And, and I'm not talking about a relational or a physical relationship. I'm talking about in just general. you're in a, place, in a place of goodness. So, yeah. again... Very, very undersung, very uh, glossed over. And when you look at the upbringing on how these guys are raised now, I mean, it's a Christmas. I mean, Justin Cooper graduated high school. Kudos to his parents. And I'm not bad mouthing anybody at homeschool. I'm not bad mouthing training centers. I'm not even going down that rabbit hole. But it's unhealthy for the majority that don't make it. And that's what we see on the on the whole. So, yeah, yeah. You're damn good right. Point. So. <laughs> good point. All right. So our next guest. Uh... The the great Mitch Payton comes on. Um, oh, Mitch has gold. so many fantastic stories. Yes, solid gold. I agree. Um, so the first thing right off the bat, Steve says is, uh, you know, again, he's talking about AC being four for four. And he said, doesn't matter what the odds were, he would not have taken the bet that Adam would go mm. four for four. I don't mm. totally agree with that. Um, 
I really felt like AC was going to come out on fire, and I'm not as surprised as Steve. Uh, Cody, what do you, I mean? Are you? What do you think? What, what did you think coming into the season? Are you? Do you agree with Steve that you did not think he could do go for? You wouldn't have thought that, or or, or you know, what, what are your opinions? Well, I okay, I, I agree that I I think everyone is expecting him to come out on fire. Yeah, but I think uh, based on his history, he, he was going to go out on fire and then end up in the back of an ambulance. Unfortunately, but I'm really glad that he's proven that wrong. That he's been he's been the smart one. He's been the one to take a second or third or whatever. He's he's been okay with settling in a moto and then coming back the next moto and dominating and all that. Like a couple of years ago, he would have never been in that. He would have never been in that mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm I'm glad that he's been able to be smart about this and quite frankly, wax everybody. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Nash? I'm a big Adam Cianciola fan. I, I was a fan are. when he was 12. Yeah. I'm a fan of him in Baby Jesus era. And <laughs> for him to, to, well, I mean, that's what it did. I, I was at Bud's Creek and it was because this random, I would assume, not very knowledgeable guy. I'm yelling, Baby Jesus! I'm Adam, the guy's like, why are you calling that? So, but the, the, during the breakout phase, so for him to regain control of the ship, again, reverting back to what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. They're, when, when they're on a roll, and for him to, to go through Vegas, that's like mentally your mind is a plate and you drop it on the floor and it shatters. And he got the crazy glue out quick and put it back together. That is just saying a lot about who you are. And you know what? Maybe he's just so mentally strong. And you know Nick Way and his team, his community, his his group were like, dude, that's random. It's I love what Mitch said. It's random. It sucks. We're over it. Yep. Don't think yep. about it. Move forward. And that's so true. It's so true. And And trust me, as a middle-aged school teacher, it's easier for me to say that when your whole life was that. But, man, he demonstrated that. So I couldn't be more proud of him. And I think any, anybody and everybody is super pumped on it. So yeah, we'll see. We'll so, see. Uh, Mitch is talking about his riders over the years. And he says, hey, but sometimes I, 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 like I feel like I'm, maybe I'm blind because I'm, or I'm just too loyal. Uh, I oh, want to believe in my guys. I want to help my guys accomplish their goals no matter what. You know, and sometimes we hear these stories about – Mitch, whether it be from Steve talking about Mitch in the past or or whatever about you know Mitch being like uh, angry and, and super hard running on the guys, shoes. running running shoes, Mitch. Yeah, running shoes, Mitch. You know them running shoes. <laughs> yeah, but he clearly, you know, this this comment that he made uh, Monday night on the Pulp Show, he clearly, man, he he loves these these kids. You know, he he wants. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and that's pretty touching, Cody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he. Yeah, like he said, it's not just a, a monetary investment. Putting in these kids, he he really cares about them. Like he said, if you if he signs you to a team, then he's putting everything emotionally and and um, physically into you with with his team and all that stuff. That he wants you to win, so he's going to be a hard ass. And it sounds like he's yeah he's chilled out a lot over the years. Right. Um, and I not to plug another podcast, but uh, his. <laughs> His whiskey throttle show was damn funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think that when you really see the levels, like it's so neat how you guys just coined that, meaning different stages of Mitch, It's everybody can see themselves if they've lived a little 
where like the screaming, yelling, like a, a, a person in their twenties getting their career life together and oscillating into their thirties, into their forties. You can see those different stages of Mitch, and it's now at a point where he's realizing, "Hey, I got a really gusset support," and you know the guy's intense. I'm not saying he's a puppy dog and he's easy and he's a rollover now, but oh, no. you can just see the emotional. I just thought it was so cool where he was. It, it, and here's the ultimate sign of intelligence on anybody. He reflected on himself and said, "Am I getting this wrong?" And right. sometimes I look at the other teams like, am I messing it? To me, that just spoke volumes about who he was, where he can step outside of himself and reflect like, maybe I don't know it on this. I mean, to me, that just shows you that you're being honest and you have an ability to critique yourself is saying a lot for who he is as a leader and as a champion and as a team owner is really powerful. Well, yeah. that that perspective, that kind of came across a little bit to go – go back to Colt Nichols when he was on there he mm-hmm. he seemed like mm-hmm. he a, he's really good with that that kind of thing with looking at things with a holistic perspective and mm-hmm. and um looking at the broad the broadness of everything and mm-hmm. yeah he he seems like another another really intelligent one but anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard no I was just saying that's the hardest to me that's like you know anytime you see anybody doing that whether it's in a family a business and you're here, you know, the love of our pastime and to watch these guys, you know, you see some dudes that are thick as a board and, you know, that makes it neat too. You know, when a guy isn't capable of doing that, but when you hear Mitch Payton questioning himself, that just shows the rest of us that, that wow, this guy is, can even take a look and say, wow, I'm making a mistake here. So, yeah. Interesting. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and while they have uh, Mitch on the phone, they, they get into Steve's theory on MX of nations about the U S not going, um, Look, there's a lot of issues with the MX, MX of Nations, whether it be the, the calendar, the way they set it up. Um, the, the riders don't necessarily want to go all the time. There's no prize money or very little prize money. Um, you know, and, and Steve says Americans make it 50% better. Uh, I think, you know, and I, 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 that's kind of one of the comments that I talked about when I called in later. But uh, Mitch says he loves the donations, but it's a massive expense. It's massively painful. Um, there's so many other races going on. Um, this is an inter- interesting topic to me, the MX of Nations, because it means a lot to us as a country, as fans, but we're not in the best position. What do you think, uh, Cody, about Steve's th- theory about us not going? And Mitch kind of didn't totally disagree. No, I, I agree with that completely. I love MXDN. I mean, it's like, it's why everybody likes the crossover episodes on TV and stuff. Like, it's ultimately what it is. It's the only time our guys race their guys and, and all that. But at the same time, yeah, don't send a team. Um, I don't think that'll ever happen because I think there'll be a couple people that'll end up wanting to go, and it'll end up being some like mid-pack level dudes who will represent us and, and make it even worse. Um, <laughs> I think that our, we're always going to send a team because it, it's. Um, I think just there's too many people who want to go and get their chance. Yeah, um, a, a little like the Puerto Rico thing, but I no, I agree don't send anybody it's especially with all this crap with the fim screwing the u.s guys over and, and oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. drug testing only mm-hmm. US riders. Mm-hmm. like that's something's got to be done and i don't see anything happening about that uh, yeah yeah I, yeah Go ahead, nash Go ahead. i i know i i loved it it was a perfect when, when i heard you say that, cody to me it's hit the reset button you know we've been doing this since 81 and I'm, I'm, dude, I love Destinations. Love it. I'm like, you know, to me, dude, Motocross Supercross is the, the gift that keeps on giving from January till deep into October, hell, even November with Bercy. But 
the, the part is, is this is getting stale and it stinks and it's just a normal oscillation in things. So I think you hit the reset button, let the FIM feel the sting because look, let's be honest, money fuels things. It's free market society. Thank God. And the reality is, is let them feel the sting on the ticket sales. It's a nasty course this year. The, look, the guys do that. Hit the pause button, let them feel the sting, then recalibrate the calendar. Like if I'm the magician that has all the, the magic wands and the revenue and the, the resources in the world, I, I would take the year off, move it back if I could. And I know people would laugh at me like, yeah, right. Like uh, is going to let that happen. And then pick a venue that's like a Loretta's. I'm not saying go to Loretta's. Pick a track that is known universal, that's not favoring American, not favoring Euro, mm-hmm. and, and really put the minds together to try to do that. Now, I know that there's people going to be laughing, like, yeah, Nash, and uh, give me winning lottery numbers while you're at it. Right, I right. know that, but if you want to be real, that's the way to fix it, based on what we know of. Within our outer ring of not being towards the nucleus of how these decisions are made, what really drives these things, because yeah. that's just our limited ability of knowledge. Right. Hey, I want to uh, thank our sponsors again, just real quick. All the Pulpamex sponsors, uh, BTS Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Engines, Michelin Starcross Fives, Maxima Oil, X-Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, OGO Bags, and Ride Engineering, just some of the fantastic sponsors that allow the Pulpamex show to happen, which in turn allows the Pulpamex wrap-up show to happen. Um, I, I'm very excited to be able to do this, so please go to com. Check out all the sponsors Click the links, buy some products, use the codes. Um, yeah, man, pulp sponsors are amazing. Um, so we get into the the normal weekly stuff, the X brand tear offs. A lot of good stuff. I love some of these segments. Um, they they asked Eric Perinard. You know, he he does all these um, these one off races all over. You know, does Paris? He did Hawaii. Uh, you know, races all over the world. Asked him what his favorite track was or his favorite event so you know this favorite venue i think was the question actually and uh he he says hawaii pretty but pretty much any country you can bring a motorcycle to this this stuff that eric does these events he puts on man um i don't know how the hell he does it but they all seem amazing cody yeah i it's gotta be so weird with uh like just to just to get all the different cultures um understood i mean of course he he's european so it's he knows a lot more about the you know like doing the geneva supercross mm-hmm. and things like that that then then promoters in the u.s have so he understands local customs and how things work and all that local regulations and all that but well and and like he said how he's been to all these different countries his whole life and all that but still it's that's something I think that a lot of people don't realize, like all the, the cultural differences that must be really hard to work out with. Um, I mean, like I know there's, there's a lot of, um, like a lot of, a lot of challenges with working with um, like Japanese uh, culture with the, the hierarchical society and things like that, that must yeah. make it really difficult <laughs> that people don't realize. Just, I mean, trying to set up one of these supercrosses and not step on people's toes and not piss people off and all that mm-hmm. just without mm-hmm. knowing like you can't can't treat everyone the same way like you would over here necessarily yeah, yeah. so yeah i think i think that's something that people don't realize yeah i mean eric eric bernard is basically a long distance runner if you would of promoters i mean just phenomenal selfless 
there's a, it, I thought it was very interesting when they heard the talk, and Steve brought up a point, in fact, that not one person's got a bad thing to say. You know, that, again, is a reflection of a person who's selfless, humble, does the right thing when nobody's looking. I mean, it's integrity. That's why Eric Kennard's successful, because of exactly what you just said, Cody, the understanding of the culture and how to manage that and how to work with that, whether it's a union in America. I mean, give me a break. Look at MetLife. You're not plugging in an extension cord. I'm not saying he's managing that, but he knows the nuances when he goes over to Slovakia yeah. to put on an event. But but yep. the key thing is, is in addition to that, he treats people right. And, and and again, I think that the more people, the more times than often that whenever you hear Steve or guests or anyone come on the show and say, man, that dude's a really good dude, that's the common denominator is integrity mm-hmm. and, and, and doing the right thing. And he's done it for years. So his character is emboldened almost almost solidified and, and rock solid. And Eric, you can hear it in his voice, who he is as a person. Well, so and, was, and what he said about uh, when Pike got hurt, like how he was talking mm-hmm. about him just like translating for Pike's family and mm-hmm. being there mm-hmm. the whole time. Like he's clearly a really special guy and a yes. really nice guy. Down yes. Yeah, I had yes. a, I had a chance to meet him at one of the Supercross surrounds this year, and he had a very just suit. He he in real life he was like just like he is on the show, great guy. Um, but um, since we're running starting to run a little low on time, I want to get into a couple other things here. Um, so the uh, Race Tech rant. Well, actually, before I, let's yeah, let's do this real quick. The Race Tech rant. Um, stop putting CR five hundred motors in aluminum frames. Oh, yeah. Stop trying yeah. to outsmart the Japanese. Dude, I, I mean, I was, that's, that's a good oh rant. God. That's a good rant there, uh, Nash. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was in my garage working on stuff, and I, I have a YZ250. I've ridden in race one for years. I love it. It's a great bike for what I do. And, dude, why would you do anything to that engine is beyond me. I mean, Steve was so flustered. I was laughing. Steve was so flustered. He was just like, Draw! like yeah. spitting his teeth like chiclet. And, and like he he gobbled up the concept of a power valve is you know altering the expansion chamber volume and how it changes the personality of the engine. He was just on fire. Yeah, like I loved it. And and then I was begging for him to go into more ranting as that segued into when he started talking about the agents and the super agents. Like, <laughs> oh buddy, yeah. get ready. He backed it down. He backed it down a little bit. Yeah, I, it's funny. I called in right at the. Um, towards the end of the show, it's like I was up late working on my kids' bike. Plus, I want to listen to the show because I knew we were going to be doing this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was trying to, there's time, you, you guys know, when sometimes when you call in, it just doesn't fit with the show and they don't pick up and I'm fine with that. I'm like, you know, but I was hoping to prompt him. Sometimes I've done it where I can just flick his ear verbally and get him going even <laughs> deeper in a rant, which right, I love right. to do. So, so that, yeah, that's, that's what I loved about it. Well, Cody, he also somewhat went on a little bit of a rant when the caller called in and, and you kind of touched on this, Nash. Asking the question about the Eddie Sanders power valve for the Yamaha. And St- Steve Rance, Japanese have thousands of hours in design in these things. Why quit quit messing with them? Basically the same it's kind of the same idea as the CR five hundred. Uh but yeah, he he I love it when he goes off. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, no, I, his rants are always awesome. Yeah. But that I I I'd never heard of that that head or, or cylinder. Neither have I. From, I never heard anything like I, that. Well, well I, I looked it up, but it seems like some pretty reputable stuff. Yeah, somebody put mm-hmm. the link up on the Facebook, um, on the Facebook, you know, whatever you, the the comments. I, I was listen, watching on Facebook, and somebody put the link up, and I looked at it later. But yeah, go ahead, Cody. Yeah, I mean, it's well, of course, Japanese have to, they have to to 
balance all the stuff with reliability and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, all that with trying to make it cost effective and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, of course, those aftermarkets, they can make it better. But, yeah, no, it, that kind of stuff will make it act like a pain in the ass to tune, which is that guy's question. But yeah. that guy should have called into that company, not some janky yeah. radio show. Dude, classic, classic. I still, I, I've called, come on, I've called in with tech questions, be like, well, you know, tell me about this, you know, and ninety nine percent of the time, Steve or Kiefer can answer the question, so I don't, I don't fault the guy completely for no, I, I no, mean, no had, it, had it been no, a no. more, uh, you know, had it been a works connection whole shot device or something that was everybody knows about, I think he would have got a totally different response, but yeah, well, that that gets back to your your point about when you call in, you want to make it relevant. Now yeah. you, were, you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, like, hey, my stock 450 is doing this thing. Chances are mm-hmm. there's 100 people that are listening that also mm-hmm. have that thing in, in the past. There you go. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has this guy's janky cylinder. <laughs> oh, okay. No disrespect for to, to Eddie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, it's tough, man. I want to back up to a couple of things um, during the X-Brand tear-offs. I, I meant to touch on this with Hawaii, the Hawaii topic a little bit. Um how do we get DB uh, or uh, yeah Daniel Blair and JT in Hawaii uh, for a one-on-one battle like Eric uh, mentioned? How do we do that, Nash? Let's make it happen. Oh, well, dude, I think you, you first of all, it's I'm not gonna say it's simple, but you research JT's work schedule with gear launches. There you go. And responsibilities, your responsibilities within the team and fly racing. Yeah. And then you parlay that into uh, Daniel Blair will go in a heartbeat. Give yeah. me a break, dude. dude. Come on. No, I, I know I know how to make it happen. Okay, Cody. Go, 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 Cody. Straight, straight to the top. Get Maggie Blair on the show. Talk oh, yeah. Because she's the boss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I kind of busted Daniel's balls on that a few times. Because, yeah, Maggie definitely runs the show. She's the boss. Hey, neck turns the head. Neck turns the head, baby. <laughs> and speaking yep. of Daniel, <laughs> he made a comment uh, when they were talking about the Eagle Grit. You know, he's doing his, uh, his giveaway or his discount code for Pulp fans. And. Uh, that he got into the discussion of uh, you know people, the pulp fans putting in comments about Steve. Oh, I feel gosh, like these have gosh. got to be published somewhere. We need a weekly yes. um, update on pulp comments. What do you think? It's nah. just it's a simple it's a simple right click. Yeah, that's one word. It's one sentence. It's a simple right click and paste. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So hey, JT was on the phone as always at some point. Um, and they started discussing Blake Baggett. Blake Baggett racing for uh, Rocky Mountain uh, KTM, who JT sort of, you know, affiliated with. And Steve says, "Hey, man, what's the is is Blake Baggett now in the mix after winning a moto?" I'm confused. Uh, that was Steve's quote. Daniel says, "You know, he usually doesn't check out like that. That was kind of in, unusual." JT talks about he does have history at High Point. Uh, I you know definitely remember the, the mm-hmm. race where the, yes. the visor was turned around backwards. El Chupacabra. Uh, Steve says I kind of wrote him off. Where are we at, uh, Cody? Where are we at with with Blake? Is Blake in the mix? Will he do well at WW this weekend in the sand? Uh, I okay. Is he hurt or not? He's definitely he, he's he does hurt. have issues, hand he's issues. Hurt. Yeah. That, okay, that's what I thought. But I, dude, who knows? Flip a coin. Okay. This, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. knows. Yep, I agree, dude. The one thing about Baggett that, it, like, if you can go in the analogs of motocross history, I can like everybody's got special rides. Dark side, you got him, Cody. You got him. Like people, like, wow, that was great, dude. I remember seeing Baggett on a two fifty F. I'm like, dude, that guy's got an excite bike button. 
like turbo button on that motorcycle. Man, those charges back in 2010, 2011, 2012, they were insane. Like, and he's a, they're all gifted. They're all good. I mean, everybody's wildest. But it, when he breaks that out, it's like, whoa. Like, that's something you just, all of them have a special talent. That's bad. It's that it berserker yeah. speed or, it's insane. Yeah. That jump at Freestone or whatever it was he did. <laughs> yeah, oh jumping into gosh. the rollers. Yeah, I was there that day. I actually still have that on my phone. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, uh, you hit the nail right on the head. Flip the coin. Yeah. Because the guy went out at high point and won this weekend, and he's str- not struggling, but, dude, there's something going on. Because there's something going on, right? So, but that was for a good the sake definitely of press conferences. I want him to do well. Yeah, yeah. That was that was great. Um, great topic, though. Great discussion they had on him, um, as always with the Pulp Show. A um, couple more things I want to touch on. Uh, will Zach win a moto? I mean, I think that that's yes. a pretty obvious question. I, I say yes. Cody, what do you, did you yes. just? Yeah, yep. you, you agree, Nash? Yes. Yep. Uh, I, I I couldn't even let you finish the sentence. Yes, <laughs> he's on. Un, he's unpacking. He's the. the the neat thing to the more casual fan, and obviously we're lunatics, is it takes a while to unlock that 450 mindset. Yeah. And I know anybody with any kind of experience is like, yeah, no, duh. But sometimes people are naive to think like, oh, well, this guy's really strong. And he's like, yeah, dude, it's a totally different game. And that's not because I know. It's because I've heard so many people say it, and I've watched it on Feral when I study these guys. So he's unpacking it, he's learning it, and he's going to execute yeah, it's coming, man. I, I'm a big Zach fan. That that's that's my that's my 450 guy. I mean, everybody knows I'm a Chiz fan, but realistically, I know Chiz is not going to win. Um, mm-hmm. Zach is my guy for that top spot. He's coming on, and I think by the end of the series, again, I know this isn't pulp related. I probably shouldn't even bring it up, but Zach's going to be up You're there. You're going to get fired. You're yeah, gonna get fired. I, I mean, I may lose my 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 position here. I hope not. <laughs> um, okay, a couple more little topics I want to hit. Um, Steve brings up, will the Montreal Supercross be back? Eric says it will be. Uh, he's an incredible promoter. They discuss bringing the superstars over to this Montreal Supercross, the American superstars, and the Canadians being a little bit bitter. And Steve says, hey, man, the bitter Canadians, sorry, but you don't sell the tickets. That's that's a strong statement from Steve Nash. I can't believe you said it, to be yeah. honest with you. That I, sorry, I mean, me. that was like a that, that, that one shocked me, but you know what? Here's the beautiful thing about Steve. Steve can isolate his thought and his mindset, and that's what makes him a unique host. In other words, he can pull himself out and his own thoughts and passion and put on his motocross promoter hat, his team manager hat, and that's higher thinking and higher intelligence. And I know it sounds dumb, but you got to practice that ability to do that or do it naturally, and he can do it naturally. So Agreed. Yeah, I think it's I think he's I think he's spot on. He's right, but it's still harsh. It's you know? harsh. True dirt. Yeah. yeah. Cody, uh, I you know, I do I do our my own show that I'm involved with and those kind of statements are not easy for me to say. I don't say stuff like that very often cuz um I'm too I am too worried probably about people's uh reactions, but uh what do you think of that statement from Steve? Nah, I don't think it's bad. I think okay. everybody knows it. It's like people like the the Paris Supercross or whatever it is when um they have like the the actual series that goes, but then they also bring over Malcolm and and Justin Barsha and that sort of thing. Like those are those are who sell the seats. People aren't there to see Cedric Suberoff. They're there to see <laughs> yep. Nuki and and Barsha. Yep. Yep. Right. Fair like, enough. Yep. All right, I got two more two more topics, and we're gonna do our BTO hot takes and wrap this thing up. 
Um, mm-hmm. yep. so we had, uh, it was a caller. Uh, I believe his name was, uh, Jim or Tim, the new, he was a, the new, newer fan. He discovered Supercross a couple years ago. Uh, you know, he became a fan by wa- watching Travis Pastrana at the X games and then kind of found out about racing through all the, the media coverage of Kenny's crash. Um, I thought that was a really interesting topic because, you know, we talk about all the time, how do we grow the sport? How do we grow the sport? Steve rants about all this stuff. It's as big as it's ever going to be. We were on Jay Leno. We did the X Games. Nothing happened. Um, the the guy made a comment about no cross promotion, and then Daniel kind of picked that up. And, um, you know, that right there proves that whatever we as a sport are doing is not working for the most part. Um, I, I don't know what to do, but this guy's just a typical race fan. Maybe we shouldn't be looking for just a random person flipping through the channels to find the sport and become a race, a fan of it. Um, Nash, I mean, I know I'm, I believe you're going to have some strong opinions on this. Uh, I think that they definitely, you, the, the reality is, is Steve hit the nail on the head and that's, I mean, I hate to be redundant, but there is a different way to view this. Uh, I'm not a marketing major and I have some ideas about how to connect it and liken it to to a broader view. The problem here, here's what I heard condensed one time. Pardon me if you've heard this. People can appreciate different facets. They've all kicked a soccer ball, swung a baseball yeah. bat. They drive a car. They don't do what we do. They don't know what it is. It's, it's once they taste the story or experience the endorphin release themselves, that's when they become an addict or they get deep down the rabbit hole. So if you can align it with, I think the way to get it growing is entry level bikes, about like the 70s did. The reason people poured into the sport in the 70s and the 80s, I didn't live through this, I was barely a kid, was the ease of accessibility and the Petri dish, the little local Petri dish. And I know that that's not from a marketing, like, Dave, come on, you're just talking about, you know, the power of the internet and all that. Well, it's here, but we haven't unlocked it in 20 years. So I think that if you can make it more relatable in people's lives on an accessible level, which, again, people are probably throwing up in their mouths here and say it, but... <laughs> I, I think that that's you got to get the connectivity of the everyday experience back to it on a certain level, and then align it with another sport that it would help a transition. That's right. my yeah, yeah. answer to the question. Cody, what do you think about that caller and his uh, his uh, his story of how he became a fan? No, that was I think that was about the most interesting takeaway I I have from the show. Um, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, all like DB said, all of us we grew up around it, like that's all we've ever known, but. Um, no, it's as far as like the, the growing the sport shit. Like, I it's it's as big as it's ever gonna get. Like Steve said, I mean it. Mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. it's it's not gonna get any bigger, no matter what other coverage we have. And how how Ralph dumbs it down the green yes. the green Kawasaki shit. Like, it, okay, I had never watched basketball really uh, professionally. Like, not not um, watching every week or anything. Mm-hmm. I started watching the NBA Finals. I didn't know what the damn rules were, but it was still, <laughs> like, I watched every single game, like, religiously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. Like, you don't need to dumb shit down, and all it does is, is piss people off because they're not stupid. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and I love Ralph as an answer, too. Like, I think he's a great announcer. Like, he's yeah. a marquee guy, but the dumbing down component is a pet peeve of mine as well, Cody. I, I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. Right. To your point exactly. All right, so uh, last thing I want to talk about before we do BTO uh, hot takes, tweet at Travis, uh, 
does Cole wrap Cole Seeley wrap it up? Uh, he, you know, he just got hurt. Um, Steve says he definitely Honda's not bringing him back, and I agree with that. He could possibly go to JGR. Um, you know, uh, JGR is going to have a title sponsor. They're probably going to go after a Dean or Savachi. Um, un- very unlikely with Cole. I want to know your guys' opinions. Do you agree with Steve Cody that Cole is not going to be back at Honda, and do you think he re- he retires? Uh, 100% he's retiring. Uh, I was going to mention this as my hot take before okay. he got hurt. Okay. Because he, um, he said that, like, um, I can't remember where he said this, on Swap Moto maybe, that basically if he would have ended things last year, it would have felt like quitting after the big hip injury. Yep. But if he mm-hmm. ended this mm-hmm. year, then, then he feels like he's actually retiring. And mm-hmm. I think he's in a perfect spot because if he goes somewhere else, then he ends the Honda partnership. Or he can do the Canard thing and then partner mm-hmm. up and do, do the vlogs and have full Honda sponsorship and then go hang out at the test track and mm-hmm. all that stuff and still be chummy with Honda. And it's a perfect mm-hmm. setup for him. I, I couldn't – I have nothing to add. Okay. Cody, brilliant. All, all, no, I'm just saying, that's it. Yeah. Why, why – why, why, and they said – Steve, I thought it was very important. Steve said, is he going to move to North Carolina? He says, no. He ain't leaving nukes. Nope. Come on. I live in Central no. New Jersey. If I was living in Southern California, I'd be, I would not be, I mean, come on. Like, give me a break. Yeah, I think he actually lives in Huntington Beach, but that that's such a, that's like one of my favorite places in Cali. So yeah, I'm not going, I'm not moving if I'm living there. So yeah, I think he, I think he's at a point in his career where, you know, he, he's got his uh, drifting and his other business and yeah, there's a lot of other stuff he could do. So I, I, I agree hundred percent. Okay, BTO hot takes. Nash, let's start with yours. Uh, you, my phone cut out. Did you ask for mine or Cody's? Yeah, Nash, you, you go ahead. Are you ready? I got okay. it. Hot and fast. Here we go. Okay. Roxon will be unaffected at WW Ranch. He's tasting the potential of a, a, a phoenix rising up from the ashes, <laughs> and he's going to figure this out. I'm telling you that right now. He's not going to let this slip. He knows the haters are on him, and what does Kenny run on? Kenny's fuel is haters. He eats them. I love it when he tells him to do things on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so that was, I, I, that I, was fire. I like it. All right, Cody, give me yours, man. This, we'll never see Justin Hill race professionally again. Wow. <laughs> okay. He He's talked about it, that he doesn't want to do the privateer thing. Yeah. And he doesn't want to ride for a lesser team that's not factory. And quite frankly, I think he's a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> I Woo! I've known him for that's hot. Not, not directly, but I, I've seen him racing back at Washougal back in the day, and all that. He's another Northwest dude, and he's freakishly talented. But goddamn, hey, you, you're you got, not gonna work. You got some passion league, right there, man. Dude, when you got yeah. Weston Pike telling you, when Weston Pike dumps it on a show that says like, "Look, you got to get away from influences that are affecting you negatively." Yep. Unless Michael gives it to you straight all day long, but that's a truth bomb right there. So, mm-hmm. fantastic. Be thrown down. Well, guys, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. I uh, also want to thank Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit, Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, and all the other wonderful sponsors of the Pulpamex Show and the Pulpamex Wrap Up Show. Um, Nash, Cody, man, thank you so much for doing this. I uh, really appreciate it. Another episode down, hey. and hopefully they'll keep going. Hey, yeah, Doc, like, good, good to you. Yep, thanks for letting us come on. And, Cody, great speaking with you. You got some insight. 
Hey, I look forward to meeting you guys sooner or later as we move through our travels as super fans and absolutely, you know, see where this thing ends up. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll have to all get together, yeah, yeah. try to find a supercross. Maybe we could all meet up and go to one of the live shows mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. Damn right. Mm-hmm. All right, Ten guys, four. we're gonna wrap this right, up. Sure. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? <laughs> <laughs>